welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, analysts and commentators from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. Banks need to go beyond the hugely integrated operating model that they have and modularize their operations so that they can be uh, opened up subsequently. Today, Andrew Cornell chats to author and speaker Sangeet Chowdhury about banking, disruption and the future of the platform economy. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Well, thanks very much, Sangeet, for speaking with us today. You're an expert on platform economics and, in fact, you've been globally recognised in this. What actually is platform economics? That's a great question. And the reason I say that is because uh, people have very different definitions of what they mean by a platform. It's one of the most uh, overused and abused words. When I think about platforms, I like to contrast them with the traditional business models that I think of as pipelines, uh, where a business would create value, would push it out to consumers and then would sell that value. And that's the traditional industrial model of business we're uh, well acquainted with. What's changing today is that uh, businesses today are creating a new business model where the business acts as the infrastructure for facilitating external interactions between producers and consumers and learns from these interactions to uh, become even better at facilitating them in the future. And the reason platforms are becoming important and platform economics is important today is because uh, over the last decade, we've seen three forces working together uh, really closely uh, and these three forces are leading to this new design of business. Uh, The first is that the world is getting more connected. We get that. Um, But what's changing is not just uh, how we connect to the uh, internet as the central infrastructure, uh, but also what are the various ways in which uh, different parts of our lives are increasingly becoming digital and digitized. Which leads us to the second thing that when you digitize something, you make it uh, you make it available for new market interactions. I'll give you a few quick examples um, to to contextualize this. Over the last twenty years, as the internet has evolved, we've seen different kinds of digitization. Uh, in the late nineties, the sales receipt got digitized for the first time, uh, which is what Amazon did. It digitized the data of what you capture, what you purchase, and on the basis of that, it recommends new things. In the past, that data would never have been used, but now that data led to new interactions. In the early 2000s, um, Facebook digitized our identity for the first time, and then it opened it up around 2008 as Facebook Connect. When it did that, a whole range of new startups came up, which we termed the sharing economy. And that really happened because identity became digital, and so it was possible for new interactions in the real world to be facilitated through digital platforms. And then the iPhone digitized location because you could always carry the iPhone with yourself. That's why Uber happened in 2009, two years after the iPhone, because a car suddenly became a digital object. So what we're seeing repeatedly is digitization is the first step towards a much larger transformation, which is new market creation. Platforms support these new markets. That is why platform economics is so important today because every time we see something get digitized, we can expect a new market creation, a new market opportunity to come up and a platform to take up that opportunity. The third uh, factor that's really important over here is that as all of this digitized uh, 
supply and demand get connected to a central platform the platform gathers a lot of information that is why today machine learning and artificial intelligence are so important because large platforms like facebook google and amazon are capturing all of this data learning from it becoming even stronger so it's a combination of these three factors that make platform economics so important today and if we think about it in terms of financial services and, and traditional banks so uh, correct me if i'm wrong but a, a traditional bank pipeline would be the bank has a, a big building it collects deposits from people it turns those deposits into loans and makes loans to others now when we we think about financial services a platform we're thinking peer-to-peer -peer lending maybe um, you know you hear these stories about an uber of banking or an airbnb of banking is that what we're talking about as far as banks and financial services go that is certainly one part of it but thinking of that as the only manifestation of platforms is uh, is limiting because uh, what we really need to think about is not just platforms as a business model but platforms as a fundamentally new way to organize the economy now when we think of it from that perspective uh, think of retail as a uh, retail in the us for example has become a platform economy where essentially what happens is uh, companies like amazon become the platform along with the platform there are producers so there are these uh, third party merchants that can produce on the platform and then there are co comp uh, component providers to the platform a payments provider to amazon for example now if you think of these three players a business can take one of these three positions a business can be a platform in this new co economy it can think about how it can provide a really critical component or it can think about how it can differentiate itself as a really important producer that the platform depends on so when we think about uh, what this means for banks we have to think about all these three positions because as a pipeline uh, when a bank moves into the platform economy it can take one of these three positions now i'll give a few examples over there uh, peer to peer lending is certainly one part of it um, which is um, the the fragmented unlock new supply part of uh, the banking value chain but if you if we think of the other uh, aspects that i just mentioned um one of the things that um banks can do today um where a platform mindset becomes important is banks are very focused on understanding the secondary data of users banks know what kind of loans you have how much uh, what kind of credit worthiness you have where you're making your payments banks do not know when you're looking for a house what kind of house you're interested in they don't know what exactly you bought when you made the payment so the primary data is where the value is but banks are focused on the secondary data one of the important opportunities for banks is to move from the secondary data and play in the primary data space the second important opportunity for banks today is that banks can provide a critical component of the platform economy just like facebook provided the identity identity management for the whole of the sharing economy banks could provide identity management for a lot of transactions uh, which banks have really good data about uh, banks have kyc they have income verification capabilities they they need to start from that position build greater data capabilities and then open it out as a service for other platforms to use uh, for example an e-commerce site which ne which needs to provide a loan at the at the point of uh, purchase could use a, a, a banking capability uh, as a service as a consumable api and improve the customer experience 
that's also a play within the platform economy. And that would sort of tap into where defenders of banks say, uh, okay, you know, uh, banks are very old, established companies with you know, legacy infrastructure, but nevertheless, people trust banks with their financial data that's right. and, and with their personal information. So that's where that would be a value? Yes, that, that that's right. Uh, what's important here, though, is to, uh, as a bank, to acknowledge that the, the data that you capture today is whatever helps you serve the loan better or reduce your risk. It's not necessarily the data that helps the user get access to the best uh, value out there or that helps your partners verify their users better. So it's about asking yourself, if you start playing in these new value spaces in the end ecosystem, what new data should you also be capturing? For for example, um, there's a Chinese uh, banking and insurance company, Pingan, which started from the KYC model, but has then started acquiring biometrics data, started putting out its identity management and surveillance systems, and is learning constantly from all of this data to identify people in, in new contexts. So that's... Uh, it's a good starting point which banks have, but they need to go beyond that to, to be credible in, in the platform economy. So in that example, Ping An is, is no longer really a financial services company. It's more a, an identity management company. That is one of the various things it does now, yes. It, it, has, uh, it, it does a lot of other things. It actually runs marketplaces as well. Uh, it participates in the primary ecosystem uh, of helping a user go through the house purchase journey or uh, providing the health healthcare systems for doctors to uh, communicate with patients and at the back of it obviously provides health health insurance but it's playing in the primary ecosystem as well as i mentioned and a third uh, opportunity that banks have today in the platform economy is that uh, banks can think about providing infrastructure to uh, a, a larger ecosystem of third parties. Uh, think of Amazon Web Services. It provides a back-end infrastructure on which other businesses scale. Uh, that's the cloud on demand. Banks could similarly provide a financial cloud, which is not just technical infrastructure, but also uh, balance sheet management capabilities, risk management capabilities, identity management as a service. And we're already seeing this happen uh, happening in China, uh, there's specifically uh, there's a specific reason why it's happening in China because uh, because of its communist history. China Chinese banks have been very catered to or optimized for serving large state-owned institutions, not so much upcoming SMEs. And now that new banks are trying to get into the space, uh, companies like Pengan are providing the financial cloud to help these new banks scale. So uh, that's an important opportunity. Again, something like this is uh, being explored in, in LATAM as well and in, in places like Brazil. So I would expect emerging markets, there's a huge opportunity on this side. Uh, another huge opportunity in emerging markets is around banking the unbanked, where uh, you, you could uh, look at a couple of different plays. Um, there's the example of um, you know CBA kind of going to Asia, uh, Indonesia launching in Indonesia with uh, this uh, small business uh, liquidity management tools where they they manage their cash uh, and then using that to determine when a small business would want a loan and banking them. But the bigger play over there is probably what's uh, happening with uh, uh, say w what's happening in, in India right now, where uh, the Indian uh, 
government and players around the indian government have created this uh, technology stack called the india stack uh, which is built of a unified identity management system called aadhaar on top of that there's a paperless document management system and there's uh, um, a, a financial services layer and what uh, essentially what the india stack is trying to do is digitize 1 billion users bank them through this india stack create an ecosystem of third parties who will provide the financial services but most importantly learn from the 1 billion users so that you can take the same stack and launch it in rwanda launch it in somalia launch it in a third uh, world country which does not have the technology capabilities gather all that data again and learn from it and keep expanding and that's a, a unique opportunity that that exists today and when we we think about that the example of that stack with with india but, but also if we think about amazon which is barely you know ten, two decades old right what you're starting with in a lot of cases is almost a blank sheet of paper whereas the established banking um uh giant banks around the world they do have legacy systems they do have sort of entrenched cultures and ways of thinking about things uh which is why i i you know i think a lot of uh, critics will say well they can't compete if an airbnb of banking emerges or a fintech emerges do you think traditional banks can do these sort of things and optimize the the platform economics so this is a question that i get asked all the time when i speak with traditional companies not just banks and uh, it's a very valid question what's important over here is uh, to realize that um, while the end state of platform economics is um, managing the whole market creating a position of control in that market the starting point towards it is um, a set of very simple no regret initial steps i would think of at least three steps that are really important uh, whether which irrespective of which direction you move in as a bank you need to do today the first is you need to improve identity management whether you provide it as a service to third party platforms or not is secondary uh, identity management needs to improve just for managing your existing operations better so that's a no regret step that we need to start mo- taking the second no regret step that's important is to modularize your bank operations if you look at amazon amazon web services became so successful because it was first modularized to see amazon's internal operations as a customer and once it served uh, amazon as a customer it was able to serve external customers banks need to go beyond the the hugely integrated operating model that they have and modularize their operations so that they can be uh, opened up subsequently the third thing that banks should start looking at is opportunities that they start investing in at a minimum so that even if they uh, these opportunities become platforms the banks have uh, the bank has an important stake in those opportunities and this is where it's important to differentiate um uh to to um to to kind of call out which kinds of opportunities are investable versus which ones should be built in house platform opportunities which play in the unregulated space especially in the primary demand area uh, are probably better governed outside the bank so that they do not face the same level of regulation that could be part of your investment strategy similarly opportunities where you get third party competing uh, firms to uh, become part of your platform should again be something that happens outside uh, the bank so if you are bringing in uh, uh, products and apis from third party banks you could bring all of that together on a platform that sits outside your your uh, internal governance so these are sp- 
uh, immediate steps that banks need to think about uh, with a clear idea of what their future positions look like if they are successful and then constantly revisit that future position as the market evolves but you need to start with these steps so that if you uh, want even want to be a fast follower to a fintech that's proving out a model you are well positioned to do that by having already done these three initial steps and when you when you describe it like that you you're describing actually a quite a radically different entity to what a, a bank is today you've mentioned ping an in china do you see banks around the world that are moving this way that are case studies of how the bank of the future might look a lot of banks are doing the nordic that moves today um whether they are doing it strategically or not is is a second uh, is, is a second point um pingan has done this really strategic strategically it, it all fits together very well today whatever they've uh, worked on uh, a lot of banks um from from experience um I see a lot of banks kind of uh, either responding to regulatory uh, changes uh, to deregulation or uh, or participating in the space more from a fear of missing out. The problem that happens with both of these things is neither of these moves are strategic. Uh, and this is where I want to call out one more important distinction. Uh, there's a difference between an API and a platform an API is just a way to make your service consumable digitally it's an infrastructural move a platform is a mechanism by which you can take digital inputs from various directions and create a strong control position because of unique data that you have a unique uh, set of capabilities or ip that you have uh, which your partners do not have most banks today are thinking api they are not thinking platform Now thinking API is the first step towards eventually thinking platform as well. Uh so are banks taking the first step? Yes. Are they doing it strategically? Maybe not across the board. A lot of discussions that I have with banks uh are I uh, I I see them taking the right steps without the right end view in place. So uh this really needs to be a more strategically thought through decision rather than just a a a response based on regulatory changes or fear of missing out. and if you were to to look ahead 10 years and think about this strategic imperative do you imagine a world where some traditional banks uh, still exist in their traditional form but then there's maybe amazon bank for example or uh, or other new players who are competing or do you think that the nature of platform economics and what consumers want is such that if you don't do this you won't exist in 10 years time I think you will certainly exist. Um it's a question of who has the power in this new economy. And uh we've already seen this happen in media and telecom and in retail. If you look at media, media companies were super focused on uh content excellence and managing a large distribution network. And Facebook and Google came in and just focused on uh engaging the user and capturing data. That where that lead, uh, what that's done is it's uh, commoditized a lot of media companies it's helped a few like the AFR New York Times a few to really uh, continue to excel because they they provide very unique and interesting content but the vast majority of media companies have become commoditized to some extent because they rely on Facebook and Google for distribution and Facebook and Google then control the monetization now 
if you think about banking from a similar perspective banks will always continue to be there in some form or the other the question really is whether they will be in a position of control to have a really profitable business model or whether it will be something that amazon for example does and banks just provide the commoditized inputs towards it in the form of loans it's also important to note that in the platform economy you don't need to play in all the spaces especially you don't need to play in the traditional manufacturing spaces in the case of banks that's the financial products and the balance sheet management that is also the most regulated and it is also the position with the least control uh, if you look at amazon it tries to capture the user uh, engagement and understand the user really well that's a great place to be in it provides some level of uh, le- uh, lending and deposits but only within its ecosystem where it can manage the liquidity really well without taking on the risks of a bank that is why it does not need to be regulated in the same way but i i would be very surprised if amazon went into the parts of banking which are heavily regulated unless there's a huge control position it offers them today what i'm really seeing is uh, the unregulated parts are offering a control position amazon loves that it does not impact the valuation and banks play in the regulated position which is also the parts that are getting more commoditized so i would expect that banks will continue to exist for sure it's uh, just a question of who has pricing power in this end end situation Well, thanks very much, Sangeet. A absolutely fascinating conversation, and um, and clearly one that is being held around the world. Uh, given that Blue Notes is both a media organisation and part of a bank, we uh, we need to pay attention ourselves. But thanks for taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes on Air. Blue Notes on Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod.